0: Amen. Uh, we're going to get right into the word. I know it's a holiday weekend and um, some of you may or may not have plans, but just want to get right in the word this morning. And I want to do this real quick. It is Memorial Day weekend. If you currently or have served in our military, if you could please stand currently or have served. I know that we have more. We have a couple with us today. We just want to say thank you. We honor you. Uh, and yeah, let's give them a hand clap. Amen for their service. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you guys so much for what you do. I know a little bit of of the sacrifice that takes place. My dad was military and um, although he wasn't as entrenched in it as many others are, um, there were plenty of weekends and weeks that he was gone, um, even months uh, when he was overseas. And, um, you know, there's baseball games that are missed and there are moments uh, that you wish they were there, but we thank you and appreciate the sacrifice uh, that you have made for this country, for us, so we can enjoy the freedoms that we have. Amen. And um, so being this weekend, we want to take that time to honor you as well. And kind of where I'm going today has to do with what they do. And I want to talk about giving. I want to talk about what our giving does for us you know a lot of times when we talk about giving we talk about what your giving does for what you are giving towards amen but many times we miss out on what our giving does for us and so i want to talk to you about giving this morning and what giving does for us go to matthew chapter six i'm going to start there matthew chapter six we need to Lay a foundation. How many of you know that it is in God's nature to give? God is a giver. Okay. God receives things. Yes. God receives our praises. He receives honor. He receives glory. And he's worthy of all of it. But God, by nature, is a giver. We all know John 3.16 tells us that for God so loved the world that he gave sacrificially Of the only thing that he had, we've looked at this before, the only thing that he had just one of, that's sacrifice. That's laying something down. And since that's God's nature and we are recreated in God's nature, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, behold, all things have become new. What is that new? That is God's nature. You have God's nature inside of you, whether we you know, exude it all the time, whether we believe it all the time, whether we think that all the time, we have the nature of God living inside of us. The only issue is we still have a flesh nature that wants to contend with that. But what you will do for the rest of your life is you will lay down the flesh to take up God's new nature. That's the new life that we live. Amen. So it is God's nature to give. So therefore, it ought to be our nature to give. And in Matthew chapter six, verse 19 Jesus is speaking and he says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is there is your heart will be also where your treasure is there. Your heart will be also. It's interesting to note that Jesus is identifying that what we do on earth can have a spiritual impact. He says, lay up treasures not on earth, but in heaven. Well, how in the world can I do something in the natural that affects something in the spiritual? But he's identifying here that the location of your heart determines the real response. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We actually can go on and skip on down here to um, verse uh, verse 24, verse 24, "No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God. And Mammon, or money. So we see here he's return. He's responding. Uh, 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 he is talking about finances. He's talking about money. Now, money. We said this on Wednesday, and if you miss Wednesday's service, you've got to get a hold of it. Wednesday service was uh, just practically and soundly one of the most. Profound messages that I think that we have delivered. Because if we can fully grasp the concept of stewardship, it'll change your life. Where we get into trouble is in ownership. Where we get into trouble is ownership and not understanding that what we have has actually been given to us from someone else for a different purpose. And God wants us to operate in stewardship more than he wants us to operate in. In ownership, And so God here is talking about finances and he says that money makes a great servant, but a lousy master. Money. Is great at obeying you when you tell it what to do. But it is terrible when we end up doing what money tells us to do. Now, some of us might not be thinking that money controls us that way, but it does it does your alarm clock doesn't get you out of bed every day money does <laughs> money does because you know getting up and showing up to work on time ends up in a paycheck after a week or two that that ends up becoming the motivation of what got us out of bed if it was just an alarm clock i can break an alarm clock okay then money will control. Money will dictate. Money will talk to you. Money will say things. But the Bible says in Genesis chapter 1 that we've been given control over all the earth. And money is just paper that comes from trees that God created and we're to be having control over it, not money dictating us. What I, want to, what I want you to see today is I, I'm, we're not going to talk about how you can give more. I want to talk to you about how you can give differently. Because I believe that it's, it's not in what we give, but it's how we give that's really the question. I really believe that it's the position of our heart. Notice here he says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Giving reflects your heart and giving affects your heart. Giving reflects your heart, and giving also affects your heart. And sometimes we don't see that. Sometimes we don't see holding back or not giving everything that the Holy Spirit has uh, told us to give or being obedient in everything financially. It will affect your heart. It will end up covering your heart. It will end up uh, making your heart cold towards finances. To where we can't obey... God anymore. And see, this is why stewardship is such a strong principle here, because in every dollar I have, I ought to be in obedience to what God is telling me to do with it. That's the bottom line. That's the underlying factor. And God doesn't need your money. Let's just go ahead and settle the fact. God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. God doesn't need your money, but he wants your heart. The problem is, is until we release the money, we can't release our heart. Amen. Until we release it out of our hands. And look, how you release it out of your hands determines how you reveal your heart. You remember the woman with the... uh, you know, Jesus was standing by in the temple watching everybody give. <laughs> How'd you like Jesus standing over you while you're putting your offering in the bucket? But he was standing there watching the Bible says how they gave. See, Jesus sees what we don't see. We see a cheque or a dollar or whatever, but Jesus sees the initial how it went in. How it went in. Now look I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie and tell you that you should be just so cheerful that it, you know, it, there shouldn't be any maybe anxiety there. Or because if you're giving sacrificially, that means you're giving something up that you know you need somewhere else. That's a sacrifice. That's a sacrifice. The Bible tells us to offer up a sacrifice of praise. And sometimes we have to offer up offer up a praise when we don't feel like it. When we don't want to, and maybe don't even have a reason to. (laughs) That's when I tell people to get in praise mode. Something drastic's just happened in your life, you better get something on the radio, and you better get your words lined up with the Word of God. Because that is when it is the easiest to say the opposite. Something drastic just went down. You just lost something, something, everything's falling apart. And that's the easiest to say, I don't know. God, where are you? What is happening? And start saying all the wrong stuff. But when you get in those moments, that, is, that ought to be the time where you open up your mouth and just sing praises. You got nothing else to say. But guess what? He's still God. He's still king. He's still on the throne. He's still reigning and ruling forever. Amen. You can find something just like this song. It's the breath in our lungs. I don't care what kind of terrible weekend you've had, what kind of terrible morning you've had. You've got breath in your lungs and you've got an option. Do I use this breath for cursing or blessing? I mean, when you get into stewardship, you start to realize, okay, every second that's clicking off right now is his. That breath was his. These legs are his. These arms are his. These hands are his. So now you just begin to, it's not mine. I can't. This breath I just took in, what is the next breath going to be? Because it's his. It's his. It belongs to him. That's not my breath. I don't own that breath that just came in. So what am I going to use the words that come back out for? The tongue, the vocal cords. Because they belong to him. Amen? Amen. So, God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. He wants your heart. It's never been about money. It's been about giving back to Him what is His. Now, let's look at Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. We're talking about giving this morning. But not just what we give, but how we give. But we have to look at some principles in giving so we can understand how to give. There are principles in giving. I had someone ask me one time, uh, you know, isn't it a command that, you know, isn't it a commandment in the Bible that we're supposed to tithe? I said, no. There's no command that says you're supposed to tithe. People were tithing, people were giving 10%, 10%. I mean I, I love how God makes it so simple. He doesn 't give a dollar amount because he, he could say, "Okay, every weekend you come you 've got to bring a uh, hundred dollars. Well, a hundred dollars for someone might be easy, too easy, and a hundred dollars for somebody else might be too hard. but a percentage we can all do a percentage. so whether you made uh, twenty thousand this past week or two thousand this past week or two hundred or twenty, there's a percentage involved. Ten percent. That's what tithe means. That's literally what it means. As much as you want to try to throw it out, as much as you want to try to get rid of it and say, well, we don't have to give the tithe anymore. No, he didn't command it. It was already a position of the heart. That God owns this. And so in honoring and, 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 and identifying that God is the owner, he's going to get his portion. People were doing that way before anyone said, let's give a tithe. But look what Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 says. Will a man rob God? Yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes, watch this, and offerings. In tithes and offerings tithe and offering tithe and offering why because it belongs to him now here's the thing about the tithe is you can't give the tithe let's just go ahead and get that out of the way you cannot give the tithe because the tithe is already his You can't give someone something that already belongs to them. So you realize that if we don't even meet the tithe, that we're never giving anything. If you made $200 this past week, what is the tithe off of that? What's the tithe off of that? $20. And you've got the 20 in your hand, you say, and, you know, I just, I really, I really need to keep some back. I'm, I'll give God ten. He'll, he'll bless the ten. He knows my heart. He knows your heart. <laughs> he knows your heart. I, I'm, I'm just going to keep back ten. You realize you're still in deficit. We're still in deficit. Well, you haven't given ten. In fact, just to be honest with you, you just lost ten dollars. You just lost it. You just you just put it in there. So he knows the heart, how you gave. And look, you can have the you can have the heart of of man, I, God knows I really need I'll make it up next time, you know, whatever. But the tithe is already his, that ten percent. And you get to keep the other ninety. I mean, you made 200. You get to keep 180. 180. But the tithe, he's already marked off. He's already scratched. When you receive the paycheck and it's in your hands, or it's in your bank account, you know, you got direct deposit these days, it's sitting there. God's already marked off. Boom. You know, it would be good for us to just go ahead and get in the habit of marking off the 10%. Just every paycheck you get, you know, it is 10% less than what that is showing. Why? Because God is the one that gave you the breath and the lung capacity and the hands to do the work. Amen. Belongs to him. You know, every kingdom has a tax. Every kingdom has a tax. Tithing is the tax. In the kingdom of God. That's absolutely what it is. It is the 10% that belongs to God. And until we meet that, we haven't even given yet. Because you cannot give what already belongs to him. Let's keep going. Verse 9. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, let me just do a little backstory for you. At the beginning of Malachi he identifies who is robbing. And it was the priests. The priests were required to give the best product, to sacrifice the best animals, but they were bringing up animals that were lame and weak. Some of them were blind. They were bringing up the ones that were like that were already castaways. They were giving God Stuff that nobody else wanted. But notice here in this statement, he says, even the whole nation. Even the whole nation. Now, here's what what is remarkable. Because God did this once before, uh, right around the time of Jericho. After they went into Jericho, Joshua and his army, they went in and God gave them a strict command. Do not take anything. Well, after that, they went to fight another battle, a small little town called Ai, about as small as its name. And Joshua said, we don't even need to send all of our troops. Let's just send a portion of them Go out. And they got whipped. And Joshua's, you know, down on the ground, crying, got his face in the dirt. Saying, what happened, God? What's going on? And God tells him, get up. What are you doing on the ground crying to me like a little baby? You've got someone in your camp that stole from Jericho and you need to find him. And God saw this. One person sinned, the whole nation sinned. The whole nation sinned. The whole bunch of them. Because God doesn't see individuals. He sees one. One kingdom, one nation. Serving one God. Amen? And so he says the whole nation has sinned. The whole nation has committed this crime. So even here, even though it was the priests, there may have been people that were tithing. But he just blankets the whole thing and says even the whole nation has sinned. This is something we've got to understand. That It's not as, you know, we can look around and you can... Think, well, you know, so and so's giving. You know, so and so's doing this. And, you know, we're, we're, all, we're all doing our part. And some are able to do more than, than, than me. And, and so, you know, they're, they're carrying it. But that's not how God sees it. God sees us as one. And so we've got one person here being diligent, being tithing, giving. And maybe we've got another person that's just giving what they can, not what's required. And God sees the whole as not giving. God sees everybody as not meeting the status quo of what God has called us. Even the whole nation. He says, You're cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Verse 10 Bring all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in whose house? My house, God's house. Bring the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. The tithe takes care of God's house, not your house. So here's where we get past the tithe. Because even if you meet the 10%, there's no blessing for you on the 10%. The tithe covers God's house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail uh, to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a delightful land. Notice that by our giving, others will see us as blessed. God's people ought to be blessed. The church of God ought to be blessed. We ought to be setting the example, setting the bar of what blessed looks like. In other nations, there are people that are looking to us because when they see you, it's a picture of your God. When they see you, it's a picture of your God. In fact, Chase just ministered a couple of weeks ago, talked about the product and said the reason why they want to fix their product so quickly is because it reflects upon the company. It doesn't reflect on you as someone that is able to uh, carry around a decent phone. It reflects on the company that their stuff is always broken. It looks like trash. You got tape across the front of it. That's a reflection on Apple. A reflection of the company. You are a reflection of your God. We ought to be blessed. Now, blessed doesn't mean, uh, you know, you've got a boat and a plane, a three-story house and four cars, and you're trying to pick which one to drive. Blessed means, uh, uh, provision means, I'm taking care of to the level that I can help take care of someone else. Blessed for somebody in here might be $40,000 a year. That might be nothing. Blessed for somebody else that maybe owns a business and has more to take care of a larger family, you might need $100,000 a year. Or more. It's called provision. God has promised to bless us. You know that God's commands, every command has a blessing behind it. You should be excited about the command For the blessing that's behind it. He says you've robbed me in tithe and offering. Tithe and offering. Well what's offering? Offering is the above and the beyond. Now offering is where you will usually step into giving sacrificially. Now look, and and I did it. I did it, man. I, I lived my life so tight one, at one point in my life where it was sacrificing just to give the tithe. I've been there. But I'll be the first one to tell you that I was living wrong. If I'm living in a position where it's hard for me to let go of 10%, I have overdone myself. And I asked for forgiveness. I repented. I changed how I handle my finances to where the tithe is never hard anymore. But now I'm pushing myself. I know pastors that have a testimony that they give 60%, not just pastors, anybody, but I know pastors specifically that they are pushing themselves so far that some of them want to give half their paychecks, 60%, 75%. Why? Because it's all his. Because the bottom line is, is that God will take care of you if you take care of His. It's just that simple. Some of us in here, we might be one of those where it's a sacrifice just to give the 10%. I made 1500 but man, that, that $150, I, I'm, I'm in there. I need that 150 Well, we have to change our lifestyle. We have to change how we've built ourselves to the point where we have that much going out. That's just the bottom line. I told you one day I'm going to do a series called Things That Pastors Aren't Supposed to Talk About. (laughs) Nobody wants me talking about their money, their spousal relationships, husband-wife relationships. Nobody wants me to tell them how to raise their kids. But the Bible talks about all of that stuff. The Bible tells me that any area I don't talk to you about is an area I can expect you to fail. The reason why some churches are struggling financially and their people are struggling financially is because the pastors don't want to talk about it. Bottom line. I can't expect you to fail in healing if I don't ever tell you how to get healed. And tell you that healing is yours. It's a provision already made available. God doesn't give you sickness. God doesn't put sickness on you. He's not trying to teach you a lesson. He's got better ways to teach you a lesson than to put cancer on you. He doesn't need another angel in heaven. And we just got out of a grace series talking about grace. What true grace looks like. The different levels and stages of grace and how grace is made available. Well, there's people, there's Christians today not operating in grace properly. Going out and sinning and doing all they want throughout the week and coming to church and thinking that grace is covering all that stuff up because somebody's not communicating the truth about grace. The Bible says that the truth will make you free. It doesn't even say salvation will make you free. And there's a lot of unbelieving believers. Because they just don't know the truth. But the truth will set us free. Amen? I mean, I've seen it happen so many times where a pastor, you know, will will say, if if you need uh, freedom in your finances or you need your finances. I mean, it's 90% of the hands go up. I remember that, that happened one time down in, in St. Augustine. And Randy Clay, he was up here last week. Caleb, uh Pastor Caleb's dad. Uh, he's a businessman. And he, he was just floored. Came to me afterwards. He, he said, I could not believe. because pastor gave a call. And if you need uh, you know, freedom in your finances, or you need you know, to believe God for something in your finances, stand up and just probably at least 90%. Very few people. Probably the children, still seated. (laughs) And you know, the kids have a principle that we as adults need to learn. Cameron never comes to me and says, do we have enough money to buy groceries today? He's never asked me that. I I hardly doubt James has asked that. They don't come to you saying, is there enough money in, in the... Bank account? No, what do they say? I'm hungry. What's to eat? What is that? That's a child-like attitude, knowing my father's got it covered. I used to tell my mom all the time, just write a check. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's the matter, mom? Just write a check. You got a whole thick thing of them, man. Just write them without put a dollar amount in there? Yeah, you didn't know that there was actually something backing that piece of paper up that that paper could be no good (laughs) if there's nothing in the account, right? But we have a God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God, write the check. God, I need this. Just write the check, Dad. Exceedingly, abundantly, Above all we can ask with things. Look at Matthew chapter 25. We looked at this Wednesday. and Although I would love to preach Wednesday's message all over again for you. Because it was that good. I'm just going to hit on some points here. Matthew chapter 25. Verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country. Who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability and immediately... He went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded, received the five talent, uh, who had received the five talents, went and traded with them, made another five talents. Likewise he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The kingdom of God. Is like a man travelling to a far country who brought his own servants to him and gave his servants what was his. What was his? Brent, let me can you get me forty bucks? Forty bucks. Awesome. That was cool. That was easy. Now, how many of you saw how quickly Brent came down here and gave me the forty dollars? Like nothing, right? I mean he was even smiling when he came down. That's because before service I gave him this forty dollars. See how easy it is to give something back that you know doesn't belong to you? Brent knew the whole time. He's going to ask for that one day. He asked me for it. He said, can I just put it in the offering? <laughs> That's a good heart. See how easy it is to give up something that you know doesn't belong to you. Where we get messed up with finances is when we take ownership of it rather than stewardship. Now had I told Brent, here's forty bucks, go down uh, you know, to Walmart and and we need this certain thing. Well he's he's not gonna get all crazy with that thing, oh, I've got forty dollars. What do I want to do with this? Do I wanna do we get some gas or You know, maybe I can take my family out to dinner, you know, uh, after church. We can go to Cheddar's or something. We've been wanting to go to Cheddar's. No. It was the Lord's money, the Master's money, the one who dictated and the one who gave. And it was easy. It really is easy to give, guys. It really is. When we learn, when we realize... It's his. It's been his the whole time. Look at verse 24. But he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. What I love about this, and we've pointed this out a few times recently, is he's identifying... That God will collect where you scatter. See, God's not the one that went out. The the master in this passage is not the one that went out and turned five into ten and two into four. The servants did. We're the ones planting for God. Everything on this earth is a result of being planted. Planted. You realize that everything here has been planted. What does that mean? Something's been sown and there has been a harvest that has come because of that. But he has turned over the scattering of seed and the planting of seed to you and I. Why? To bring back in abundance for him. So when you guys are planting, you know. He's the one collecting. He's the one reaping the harvest. And he quickly identifies that. Verse 25. And I was afraid and went and hid. Whose talent? Hid whose talent? Your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. He knows that it belongs to the master. He knows that it was the master's the whole time. And we said this on Wednesday, that the master was not upset that he lost the talent. He was upset that he never gained anything off of the talent. Because, see, when he gave him that talent, he knew that this thing should come back to me more. He said, you should have at least gone to the bank, put it in, you know, deposited in the bank so I could have collected interest. What's he saying? What I gave you has the potential to become more. So every day you don't use it the way I told you to use it, you are losing me money. Because the stewardship principle comes into place. That man had no right. That wicked and lazy servant had no right to do with the talent what he wanted to do with the talent, it was never his. It is easy to give back what you know never belonged to you in the first place. It's easy to give back what you know he gave you. And behind that, he'll provide for you. I mean, the master clearly says faithful. Good and faithful servant. You are faithful with little. Now I will make you ruler over much the blessing is in the faithfulness in fact the one who gained the other five and had ten he's the one that got this lazy servant's one why? because this man proved to be faithful But some of us we need more Some of us don't need more. We need to do less. And in doing less, you would find that you would have more. Me and my wife found that out very quickly. Me and my wife found that out. I mean, when you you have a call to God to serve him, I mean, he's going to start plucking stuff. We both had great jobs. My wife had, she was the breadwinner, man. She was bringing it home. She had a great job with the county there in St. John's County. And God began to position us to leave to do ministry. And jobs started coming off. When I came off of my job, I was working two jobs at a bank and at a pharmacy. Good money. And then when I went to go to the church... There was a decline right there. Then my wife comes off of her job, and she goes and works for the church's preschool, Monday through Friday. Huge decline right there. And we quickly learned, we don't need more, we've just got to do less. And we found more. We found there was an increase in getting less because we started doing less. But there are some of us that we need more. And then on top of that, we know that God has the more. God has the more. God wants to provide for us. God wants to bring everything in that we need. He knows every dollar you need that is required for your purpose. He knows that. And he has no problem getting it to you. The problem is, is we have a hard time getting it to God. He's got no problem getting it to us, but he wants to know, can you get it back to me? Because the Lord, the master, is looking for a return. He has come to settle accounts. I mean, we would all love... For somebody to invest in us that never requires the money to come back. But that's not what an investor does. I watch Shark Tank. All they're concerned about, no no matter if, if they cry and if they get moved or touched by what they're selling or the person's story, the bottom line is, do I think this person can get my money back? Because if not, I'm not. This isn't a handout deal. But you know what? And I've heard him say this. I've heard him. Mark Cuban, I've heard him say it on the show. He says, you're asking for 100000 at 10%? And hey, when I get my money back, I got more money. I want to keep this thing. They want to dump into what they know is going to be profitable. They have no problem with it. Sometimes they'll open up credit lines with them. Sometimes they'll even raise the money. You ask for $100,000, i will give you 250000 because I know you're going to need it. Because I believe in the product, I believe in you, and I know you're going to get me a return on my investment. We're both going to get rich off of this thing. See, when you get blessed, God ought to be getting blessed. God should, God, the, the, the church shouldn't be lacking for your blessing. So he wants to put the money in the hands of those who he knows can get it back to him. And he has no problem getting it to you. He wants to invest in you. You are his greatest product. You are his most profitable product on the face of the planet. If he can invest in the flowers, if he can invest in the trees, if he can invest in, uh, in everything you see, he wants to invest in you. Because he knows you're the one that will bring him the greatest glory. There should be no tree that's giving more glory to God than you. There should be no waterfall giving more glory to God than you. There should be no mountain getting more glory to God than you. And he takes care of all of those. He invests in all of those. He wants to invest in you, knowing that there will be a return. The good and faithful servants were the ones that were now made rulers, rulers over much. What's he identifying there? I just got this. What's he identifying? He identifies that you will always be in control, even if you have more. Not the servants of much. Look, God doesn't want you to make $100,000 a year if you're going to be the servant to the $100,000. God wants to get $100,000 a year to you so you can master it, dictate it, and know, and he knows, that you are going to do with that money whatever he tells you to do. But if you can't obey him with a hundred. You won't obey him. I I, I put it this way: if you can't if you can't take care of the seed, you won't take care of the tree. If you won't take care of it in its smallest form, you won't take care of it in the largest form. Being faithful with little. I mean, there's so many directions we can go with this passage, but bottom line is he's identifying. I'm starting you out somewhere. They were given according to their own ability. So then the question is, is what have I proven God with my finances today? If you're needing more, there's a proving ground to show him you can handle more. Has the hundred been telling you what to do? Then the hundred thousand sure will tell you what to do. But if you took a hundred and you mastered it, he'll make you ruler. Make you ruler. Ruler overmuch. Look at Matthew chapter six, verse thirty three. Matthew chapter six. Same passage where we were talking about money. Starting in verse twenty five, he talks about do not worry. Do not worry about your life. Do not worry about what the Gentiles worry about, what they're going to eat, what they're going to drink where they're going to live, what they're going to wear. These are the things that the world is concerned with. But look what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first. That means priority. Priority. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you. What are these things? What you wear, what you eat, what you drink. Look, blessings can come in different ways. If you need gas, I can give you $50 to go fill your tank. Probably a lot more than that now these days. I give you $100 to go fill your tank. Or I can drive you down and say, "Hey, I'll go pump you some gas." Either way, Whether I give you the dollar amount in your hand or not, you have been blessed with what was necessary. I don't have any groceries. Well, here's a Publix gift card for $200. Or I can take you down there, or I can go there myself, bag up some groceries, bring it to your house and put it on your doorstep. You've still been blessed. Don't put God in a box of how he can get it to you. Don't put an assumption on God. God, I, I need $200. Just got to have it. No, he says all these things will be added unto you. Seek first, not last, not second. Seek first. Give God first priority to serve in his kingdom and be right in right standing with the authority of the kingdom. And all these things will be added unto you. It's not what you give. It's how you give. But I tell you right now, when you change how you give, what you give changes also. When you change how you let it go, what you let go changes too. Things that you thought you would never let go, you let them go. Things that you thought you could never release out of your hands, it's that easy to give. And I'm telling you right now, God is raising up a generous Church. God is looking for a generous church, not a tight church, not a barely making it church. And but here's the thing is God has to get you in a position to be generous. I was watching Bill Winston one time. He's a pastor out in Chicago, uh, knows a lot about business, a lot about leadership. And he actually owns a bank and he owns two malls, one of which has a church in it in Chicago, Illinois. He employs all of the employees in the mall. He's got a church there. Runs those things. Those businesses are paying him to be in there. American Eagle is paying him. Pacific somewhere paying, paying him. Abercrombie, paying him. He's a blessed man. And I saw him ministering one time and... Uh, he pulled out a wad of cash and he had people coming down and reading different verses for him and, and after they would read the verse he'd pull off one and says here's $100 go buy you some gas just hand it out probably handed out $500 in one night in $100 bills and you knew it was a wad of $100 bills because he would just without looking just pull it off and give it to him and he said If you're poor, you can't do that. What's he saying? That some of us just need to be in a position to be generous. I believe it's within every person's heart to give away. I think we just aren't in a position to do it. But I'll be honest with you, when you change how you give, what you give changes, and you'll find yourself being generous even when you didn't think you could. You'll find that you'll be generous even when you know that there was something else to do with that. But you learn to seek first the kingdom. God is looking for people to give trusting him. It's easy to give when you have it. In fact, it's a bold statement, but I don't know that we're in faith if we're not giving sacrificially. if you can give out of your abundance I'm not saying it always has to be tight okay? but we've got to be in a position where if God asks for it we can release it that's what I'm saying if he did ask for the thousand and you needed a thousand could you let it go and we just don't get good at it until we do it I'll just be honest with you until you, If he's asking for ten, but you need the ten, give the ten. God is a God that meets you where you're at. He's not going to ask you for a thousand when you're only bringing in 2,500 a month. When he knows that needs to go somewhere else. Because there's... There's things here, and, and, and that's where I was starting off. What does your giving do for you? Because we tell you what it does here. You can go next door and you can see what giving did. Giving built that. I didn't have an investor come in here and say, all right, I'll help you build this stuff and we'll make a return on the profits that you get," because all the people are going to start coming. No, people in this church gave over $10,000 toward all the construction and everything you see next door. People gave. So you know what your giving's doing here, but what is your giving doing for you? I'm going to tell you right now, when you release that money into the offering bucket, your mouth had better not be silent. You need to hook up your mouth with what's going in and you need to thank him and you need to praise him for the return on the investment. Are you a spender or are you an investor? Those are two different things. You can go to Walmart and find people that are spending. But when you watch Shark Tank, they're not spending money. They're investing, expecting a return. Well, when you're expecting a return, that's a little more thought out how you release your money. You're a little more careful about how you let that go. But when you invest in the kingdom of God, he has promised. He said, try me in this. It's the only verse in the Bible where he tells you to test him. It's the only verse in the Bible where he says, prove me. I dare you. I dare you. God's looking for a giving church. God is looking for a generous church. And we don't preach it down people's throats. We give you the opportunity to see the blessing behind the giving, the blessing behind the command, and just hook up with that. And we'll hook up with you. When you give, we, my wife and I, are in agreement with every single family in this church that you will be blessed because you sought first the kingdom. You've got other places you can put that 10%. You've got other places you can put that offering. But when you're obedient to the command, we'll hook up with you. Where two or more agree in his name, it shall be done. We're in agreement with you that you will see a return that you will never lack for one day. I can say that no matter how tight every month was. I can say it. We never missed. I wasn't thrown out on the streets. I didn't miss a meal. I didn't starve to death. I didn't have to go to the hospital for malnutrition. My car didn't break down. I had it. The gas, no matter if the light was on or not, it was there. Somebody, blessed me, it came from somewhere. That's just how God works. Don't try to think it up and say, okay, well, i got to get this in by this time or this in. Look, he'll show up when he shows up. But you trust in him, give sacrificially, and watch what he will do. He's calling a generous church. Amen. Father, we thank you today. We thank you today that we can give differently to your kingdom. We can give differently with a different heart. It's not what we give, it's how we give, but when we give right out of our heart, we'll give right out of our hands. Father, we'll begin to let things go that you've been asking. Me. It will be easy to give. It'll be easy to serve you with our finances. It's easy to serve you with the paycheck. And we won't let money master over us. We will master over it. And that money has been placed in our hands by you. We are stewards, not owners. And so we want to obey you. We want to give as you ask us to give. Not with the heart of I have to or even I need to. But with the heart of I want to. I want to be a blessing. I want to be. I want to be generous. I want to see a need and I want to meet a need. Father, I thank you for every person here that you touch their hearts. I thank you for a church that gives. I thank you for a church that blesses people, blesses others, blesses the kingdom of God. I thank you that we don't just hear this message and, and say yes and amen and hallelujah but not become doers. Father, we need to be doers of the Word. Not hearers of Giving according to your Word. So you can give to us according to your word. You've given your word on how we're supposed to give, but you give your word on how you give also. And when we honor your word, you honor your word. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen.